0: Friends, I'm Bobby Lehew, Chief Content Officer at Common SKU. A few weeks ago, we released a report with our friends at Delegate CX called Tackling the Promo Products Labor Shortage. Longtime listeners will know that Delegate CX is the outsourcing company founded by former distributor Craig Dunlap. Craig's been a guest on our webinars, and he spoke at SKU Camp as well. Today, I'm talking with one of the partners at Delegate who many of you know as well, Rory Young, Senior Vice President of Sales. I worked with Rory and his team on the Labor Report, which you can find in the show notes at community.com and and you can also find it at delegatecx.com. But today, we cover the highlights, and we break it down to some of the most crucial challenges and opportunities facing business leaders as they develop a high-performance team. Rory has some fantastic insight on hiring, the recruitment process, and we dig into this whole idea of outsourcing, if to do it, why to do it, how to start. We talk about what you can outsource versus what you can't outsource, obstacles people have when it comes to hiring overseas, the impact on culture, the opportunity for diversity, and a ton more. Rory is fantastic. I always enjoy talking with him because they at Delegate CX are deeply passionate about what we're passionate about, which is helping leaders scale their business and grow. And real quick, we started a new series on our blog at community.com called Secrets to high-performance teams. The article we dropped today talks about the two sides of the promo brain, creative and logistical, and how both sides are vital for success. But if you're not a reader, I'll be sharing insights from the series in a webinar titled Unlocking Secrets of High-Performance Teams on Thursday, May 26th at 2.30 p.m. ET. You can register at commentsqcom webinars. Today's episode is brought to you by Commentsq, the work-from-anywhere platform that powers your connected workflow enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more, visit commonsqueue.com. Now here's my chat with Rory. Rory, we're all experiencing the volatile effects of hiring, recruiting, retention, the great resignation, but you and your team at Delegate have a unique view into what's happening with hiring and labor right now. Why is it so difficult at this moment compared to years past?
1: Yeah, I and mean, there's a there's a lot of things happening at once. I think a lot of people have talked about about uh, a lot of these things, um, but simply, I think you know on a general scale, the market has shifted. There's a lot of reasons, but I think it's a, a job seeker market, which is pretty unique for most business owners that I come across right now. I haven't really experienced that before, and like talking a little bit more about our industry, I think. That, coupled with the fact that it's probably been an issue for a while now, and Mm -hmm. we just didn't have to deal with it, um, has now made it feel incredibly overwhelming. Are we having to deal with it now more because of the growth? Like people are back in growth mode. So now it's like we're hiring. and Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, people, and it's come in such waves. So the fact that people had to make decisions about their business in 2020, mm, uh, some people yeah. had to limit some of the resources that they had. Right. Um, and now all of a sudden business is in full growth mode and we had to you know, navigate with uh, probably uh, less than full staff, it, it's made things harder. And yeah. I think it really speaks to some of the industry issues that we'll have to start solving for, which is you know, how do we, how do we build a pipeline of talented individuals to learn about this industry earlier on, right? Right. It's things that we've always struggled with. Yeah. Marketing degrees that don't touch on what we do, right? And, Mm -hmm. And not a whole lot of awareness across the board. So there's already a bit of an issue there. There's a job market, which is completely shifted. There's less available talent and more competition for that talent. Then we have some struggles with keeping our own talent. I mean, look, there's a lot. to uh,
0: navigate <laughs> Right, <travel>. right. <laughs> a couple more things to add to that. The demands for clients, demands from clients have gotten more complex. So projects right. we're working on are more complex. Also, the ballot for talent has actually gotten more expensive because of all these challenges you just mentioned. But all of these things you're talking, about, we'll get into onboarding and training in a minute because that's a big part of some of our challenges right now. But for the moment, one really important aspect of all of this, this is actually a bit of a relief for many people is the fact that now that we can hire from anywhere and then we have hybrid offices or virtual offices. I mean, can you imagine if we were locked into our own geographic area yeah. just for the, with this challenge, but, but now we have this incredible problem, but we also have an interesting opportunity and then we can hire talent from anywhere. How are you seeing suppliers and distributors adopt this, uh, hire from anywhere attitude and helping them build a winning culture?
1: Yeah, I mean, mostly really well, right? And I think yeah. there's been a huge shift, even just like in this year alone, where people are getting more comfortable with it. You now right. I have conversations all day long. You know, obviously we help with some hires, and but people always come to me, right, about just best practices and if I know anybody. And yeah. more, more and more people are willing to try to build out their teams all over the country and take advantage of the situation. And it's kind of fun when you think about. Like kind of flipping their mindset instead of yeah. like bemoaning the fact that this is so hard these days and say, "Wow, like what an yeah. opportunity I have now, right?" And so I think people have done well. You know, DCX, we we have a bunch of team members in the states and we're all over the country. Um, and I just think that there's lessons that are learned, and if you take advantage of it, this is I think it's a huge opportunity. I mean, I know you guys do that as well, right? A little bit at Commissio.
0: Yep, absolutely. And, you know, the, the I had a distributor fan recently um, uh, tell me that one of their top people just moved to my market. And, you know, back in the day, you would lose a talent uh, if they moved, you would lose the talent. And now, you know, what a great opportunity you have.
1: Yeah. I mean, we could talk about the retention side, right? Not that this is a catch all yeah. for everybody, but imagine when one of your best team members now decides that they want to make a major life change. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean they have to leave the company. And that's right. amazing too, right? And giving somebody that flexibility, the belief that they could make a life change and still keep everything else in place is a huge retention like uh, plan, right? Yeah.
0: Let's talk about onboarding for a minute. So in an article in TechCrunch, the article is called Hiring Top Startup Talent on a Budget During the Great Resignation. Greylock partner Glenn Evans said regarding a recruitment process, create a process that is structured, organized, and repeatable where you have clear lanes and coverage areas for the interviews. Don't make it too rigid, but have some structure so you can train new hires. That was his big tip. And I, and yeah. I know it sounds basic, but honestly, a lot of us have not really had that. We've sort of built our businesses in, in an apprenticeship model where folks yeah. just learn right beside each other. But now that we're virtual, we are actually having to codify a lot of these plans. What are you seeing in terms of a best practice, folks, with onboarding and bringing new people into the business?
1: Yeah, it's just like making the most of what their, you know, previous process was and letting it sort of live a little bit more evergreen and be able to exist in a virtual world, right? You know, that quote's cool, though, because... He's also talking about you know the beginning stages of actually hiring, and I don't think yeah. nearly enough people really put a plan in place for that. Right? We post a job on a job board. Oh, yeah. Right. Multiple right. people that are sort of reviewing that. Our interview process can sometimes be a little bit outdated and a slow moving. I'll just say so. Starting there to try to make this easy. Uh, To try to make it really attractive for a potential candidate to want to apply for your job and get through the process and have everything be very open and honest through that. And then when somebody actually is hired, you know, keeping it simple, creating opportunities where people can continue to learn through osmosis and, and follow people. But getting this stuff on paper, right, and creating a little bit more of a standard process for this um, so that it can happen a little yeah. easier. Yeah,
0: and something you mentioned to me before and we've talked about is that um, we need to actually start selling to the em- employee base audience, yeah. and to, to the potential audience. And, and so our marketing, our websites, for example, are myopic. They're very one-visioned toward the client, and we have a little bit of space for recruitment, but we need to kind of balance that out. And here's another reason why um, last, this year, um, ASI recognized Peter at Harper and Scott as the salesperson of the year. The the backstory is Peter was a client for years buying merchandise and then he became, right, right, a part of the Harper and Scott team. So like you never know where talent is going to come from and the fact that you're marketing that and, and speaking in that language and using... Our marketing prowess that we're really strong at for recruitment is like a big switch that many of us have to make.
1: I think so. And it's there. It's there for everybody to take advantage of. I mean, yeah how many uh, distributors have put together hiring and retention programs for their clients? Right. How many of them are actually using some of the stuff that they literally dream up on their own, right, to present to clients <laughs> for their own businesses? Right. We have these skills, we have a leg up. We have an industry that is exciting and fun. A lot of us come from a sales perspective, so that we can figure out a way to get someone's attention and, you know, sell, right? Create value. All that stuff should be done for the hiring process too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it, it's easier than people think.
0: What have you seen that works when it comes to recruiting and hiring top talent? I know it's I know it's a big question, but what are a couple of key things that you've seen work?
1: I think it was uh mitch silver at printable uh, has been a big proponent of this but the first step is to make it very easy right yeah you know make it very upfront and very easy for someone be willing to move fast i I talk to people so often and you're kind of stuck in your your I mean, sorry, little old ways of doing things where you put together yeah. through multiple interviews and you think on it and you want to see like ten different people and we don't we don't have time for that, right? <laughs> oh, if we right. really want to attract the best talent, we need to be right. decisive. We need to come up with a good way to collect all the information we need for these. Said you can make quicker decisions, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think you and I talked before, and I compared this to the real estate market, right? You gotta make a decision in thirty minutes, right? Like that's yeah. how it is when you're gonna buy a house, <laughs> right? Yeah, not that fast with this, but you do need to be ready quickly. And you know, those are some of the things to, to to start with, and then you know, just put together, put together the whole package. Think about everything, right? Think about ways that you can uh, provide. A great environment for someone to succeed and make sure that's very clear for them to see um, and then really prove to somebody that you're going to be supporting them across the board. Comp is one thing, right? Like vacation time is great. Work remote is great. But I think people want to feel like they're supported and they will have the opportunity to really take advantage of that and grow.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Support and development. Um, Just a few days ago, Warren Buffett delivered his annual shareholders address and said that the one thing you can do when inflation is high is to sharpen your skills. "Quote," He said this, quote, skills unlike currency are inflation proof. If you have a skill that is in demand, it will remain in demand no matter what the dollar is worth. Whatever abilities you have can't be taken away from you. They can't actually be inflated away from you. He said the best investment by far is anything that develops yourself, and it's not taxed at all. The reason I bring it up in context of this conversation is because you just said investment in folks you know there's the salary compensation but what a lot of folks are looking for is development and yeah. we have this kind of gap in making sure once we hire people that we have a process and a way to bring them through and to show them that we want to invest in their education in their training and then moving up in the industry those are things that today's you know today's employees looking for
1: i think so i think so and it, and, it, and it's hard you know we're, we're hiring right now because there's an and so there's the tendency to sort of make a hire to relieve some pressure and dump a whole bunch of stuff on somebody, right? right. But we want to bring them in and really cultivate that environment. And I see some people do a great job with this. I mean, I've you know traveled and met with tons of different distributors and they are investing in leadership training across the board. They're right. getting key people to learn more about the business besides the one thing that they're responsible for, right? right. But I would encourage staying in that lane, having people you know go attend some conferences every once in a while that are purely educational, right? That are not necessarily about trying to network and create sales, yeah. but just better themselves and invest in the support. And I think this will be a common theme across the board, right? But make it so that people actually feel like they have some time to think during their day, that they can actually spend some time to just better themselves and that they are properly supported across the board so that they actually have that freedom. That freedom is incredibly valuable.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Building that into your culture and letting them know they have, especially in our business where we're incredibly driven by deadlines and the pressure is always on, giving them the permission and the latitude to actually invest in themselves is huge. Yeah, and yeah. leaders have to actually exhibit that by example and talk about
1: it. They do. You have to show by example. You you have to because if someone's just going to watch you, you know, run yeah. around like crazy and never take a vacation, and, uh, yep. and they'll just feel like they have to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's a key point. Um,
0: outsourcing is your expertise. So let's talk about them for a minute. Can you speak real practically Is something a lot of folks probably want to know when it comes to outsourcing, particularly overseas? So yeah. correct me with any of my assumptions. Delegate CX um, is partnering uh, with folks um, in the Philippines for outsourcing. And let's start with the basic question of why would I want to do that if I'm a distributor?
1: Probably the most simple way to put this is one of the easiest ways to scale your business.
0: Okay.
1: One of the easiest ways to actually provide that support for your employees uh, to get properly staffed across the board so that your business can grow, right? Um, If we all had the ability to you know hire whomever we want for any amount of money we would probably do it way more often right <laughs> like yeah. we would really set things up so that there is a structure in place to take advantage of all the software opportunities and all the business and just all kind of run as smooth as possible right yeah. and this is the the best way to be able to make that a reality is yeah. to, to use an all from all for certain roles inside of the business
0: yeah i i said distributors too but obviously i meant suppliers because you're working with both suppliers and yeah. distributors um the the labor report that i mentioned in the intro that we just released together. The thing that we're passionate about, both of us are, are scaling. Scaling, helping businesses grow. And so, in our case, technology helps with those efficiencies. In your case, outsourcing some of those roles helps with those efficiencies. I think if you match the two, which is why we did the report together, it's magic for your business. So, um, but let's talk a little about how to do it. Folks are Mm -hmm. reluctant. There are folks that sort of, they love the idea, they talk to you, and and I'm sure now it's a lot easier for you than it was, you know, a couple years ago, pre-pandemic. But how about how to do it? Like if I were, if you were to sit down with me as a distributor and I have a team of maybe 10 to 20 people, what would be one of the first steps that you would walk me through?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the first thing to do is just figure out where are some inefficiencies, uh, where do we feel like we're a little under supported and target, I guess, probably some of those entry level type roles, right? You know, the bulk of our hires probably do end up coming on the sales side of things, which makes the most sense, right? It's usually the biggest part of of everyone's team. They're not Um,
0: salespeople, but they're in the support roles for salespeople.
1: Yes. And, you know, support roles and really thinking this as like a support layer that you can add is, is a great kind of mindset, right? So sales is the easiest way. How do we figure out how we can get somebody to start helping with that administrative burden that comes with every single project yes. that we take on? You right. mentioned it earlier, everyone's job's harder than it's ever been, right? Yep. There's yep. more steps, the, the orders are more complex. Every single one has a uh, drop ship list of 300 addresses we need to get it to, right? right? right. So there's right. so many places inside of there where we could get somebody to help with that specifically, get really great at learning all those little details, how to product source, how to build presence, presentations, you know, and get the salespeople away from that work whenever possible. Yeah. You know, I I think that's the problem that I see all the time is that incredibly high performer, incredible salespeople Mm -hmm. are sometimes doing that work and a, they might not be great at it and B, there's better things for them to be doing. So yeah. we start there, obviously, on the sort of uh, production side of things. There's a lot of great opportunities for somebody to come in here and manage that stuff. And it doesn't take years to master uh, yeah. that kind of stuff in the industry. Um, and of course, you know, all the other departments probably have similar situations like that. right? There's almost always one more layer down that we could go and we can start to take mm-hmm. some of those responsibilities off good people's plates.
0: How do you handle resistance when folks, you know, new changes can be threatening a little bit. And so if you're a sales rep, sometimes sales reps find comfort in a lot of those tasks, but it's not the best use of their time. And we all know that even the salesperson working on it knows that. So how do you, how do you handle resistance when you're talking about that? So for example, you've partnered with us, maybe the CEO or the owner of a distributorship or a supplier gets it, but now you've got to sort of sell it internally. Is that a part of your process? Oh,
1: huge, huge. Right. Like, and it's actually one of the harder things that happen sometimes. We get the buy-in from the top, which we think is like the hard part, right? Right. Not always. <laughs> uh, right. Getting everybody else to feel like they're they're bought into this—that uh, it was their idea from the jump, right? Yeah. Um, but it, but I get it. You know, delegating is hard. I struggle right. with it myself, right? We all think that we can do things sort of the best. Uh, we you, you're right. We find comfort sometimes in putting ourselves through the ringer. It almost feels. like. I don't know what yeah. that says about us. <laughs> right. Uh, but we do it, we all do it. So it's right. important to, to show them a of course, you know, how this could potentially work. Uh, our experience, obviously, in this industry, comes in handy here because we can literally talk right. about the experiences that we've had, we can show someone sort of a bit of the blueprint of how it might work. Uh, we can get in the weeds with that work and sort of uh you know show them kind of what next steps and what it'll do for them. And I think the big thing, especially with sales really hammer the point that if you stop doing this you will make more money probably too right like, nice. like this is how we do it this is how we grow in right. here how this is really great for your career i don't know once most, most people actually figure, you know, start to experience it themselves and they hear from their friends that it's been a positive experience, you know, they're quickly on board. And that's the good part.
0: How about what not to outsource? I know that sounds like a really basic question, but the reason I also ask it is because when a salesperson understands that they what they can outsource, they'll realize what they can double down on what they can't outsource. What can you not outsource? I think the
1: two biggest things that come to mind here in our industry is relationships <laughs> and pure creativity. And not to say that somebody couldn't be creative in another country, but no one will be as creative as the industry vest, right? The superstars right. that exist in this industry. The, all of the work they've done over the years, you know, understand different products, understand different campaigns, that stuff cannot be outsourced, right? Yeah. But relationships are the same way. People should be spending their time on those relationships, talking to their clients, figuring out what sort of next steps to building uh, really looks like um, and not everything else. So those are the two things that, you know, there isn't a, that's where we need to invest in our teams in the state. That's incredibly rare.
0: Yeah. Do you have an example of a distributor or supplier who was really successful, who was kind of resistant at first, but they, but they were really successful at this transition?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot. I mean, uh, you know, I think most people were very reluctant. Uh, right. I that my first few months on the job were uh, a lot of nice people that were willing to, you know, give give me a half hour, or an hour, but basically I with. Uh, <laughs> all right. Hey, good luck with all that. Uh, I hope it works out for you. <laughs> um, so look, that's the, that was the natural inclination of most. But there's right. a ton of great success stories. A lot inside the common school community, right? Like, yeah. Just the uh, first thing that comes to mind is, uh, paperclip. Yeah, uh, yeah, good and, friends soul, with Ruth. Yep, and Soul and Swag. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, I They're talked awesome. to them. They were they were probably my first call um, back to back. <laughs> wow. Uh, back in January of last year, and both of them had major reservations. They like, thought it was a good idea. Um, you know, salt cola and now has two employees through us um helping different parts of the business uh, ruth and her team are just going through the hiring process actually so we can't speak to pure success yet but that's how long it took them to get there right but now sure. they're seeing how this is how it goes right um, our buddies at dump right of course, I had a really great relationship with them and they're you know, definitely you know industry leaders in general. Uh, they were a little bit easier to sort of sell on the idea sure it took a little bit longer for it to come uh, to become practical now. but yeah. they found ways to make their customer experience run even smoother. With the help of an offshore person right Yeah. Um, to really let their best people really dig in deeper with some of these amazing relationships that they have. Um, yeah. So they've seen now tremendous growth and um, not just on our team, but just across the board. And, and I think that's been a pretty cool success story.
0: It's almost like the splinter uh, theory of selling, right? Once you introduce them to the option, they have the splinter in their finger and every time they bump it, they're like, I, I, we shouldn't be doing this. I should. we need to get this out. Like we should outsource this. And so it, it takes some time for you to go in your business to look at those processes and go, oh, I, I'm really tired of bumping in the splinter. I need to get this yeah. done. That's
1: of course yeah. Uh, yeah. a brilliant uh, notion there. that I'm um, definitely going to steal now, but uh, yeah. no, that's, that's what it is, right? And yeah. most of our relationships start with one employee yeah and it kind of makes sense right because like this is a process that's a little bit of a change yeah somebody needs to experience it they may need to make sure that everything i'm saying is actually true and all of their friends that have had good experiences too but it's very interesting to see that once you can make that connection and you start to see the value how it can actually quickly bloom so so yeah Yeah. that's exactly what happens how about
0: culture like what's the what's how do you respond to Someone who says, you know, I'm not sure I can actually engage employees virtually, especially folks in another country. It's a different experience. Like, how are you bridging that problem with, I don't think that we can create a strong, solid culture?
1: A bunch Is it just not true,
0: really? Yeah, it's just not true, true, right? Right. And
1: like a respectfulness that it, it will be some work and sometimes it takes some process changes. Um, But it's all on the table. Right. And I've seen this happen. It's probably the thing I'm most proud of. And all of this has seen the way that people, especially in this industry, have tackled this problem. You know, Um, one of the big things I get worried about outsourcing in general sometimes is this. It's all about sort of the bottom line, right? Some companies, and I think this has been practice that's happened across other industries, bring on somebody on the lowest level jobs, let them work behind the scenes, right? And it's all about saving a buck. Literally every single distributor partner I've had and suppliers as well, sorry, every partner inside of the industry has done, has been really bought into the idea that we're gonna welcome these employees into our team. And we're going to ship them a box of swag, the biggest thing we possibly can so they can be decked out in our stuff. And we're gonna set up a camera in our conference room so that they can sit in on every meeting if people really truly are in the office all the time or any vendors come in to talk about their product line. right? And we're going to have time for these employees, not just to be working on on tasks all day, but get to know each team member, even if they're not necessarily working hand in hand so that they feel like they're part of the team all on the table, so people have done a great job
0: we think of culture in terms of reducing or reduction, but actually Sarah White with Fairware taught me this. And she said that we need to start thinking of culture as additive, not looking for people that are like us, but looking for people Mm -hmm. precisely that are different so they can bring strong opinions and differing perspectives to the table. And I love that. And on our own team, I remember David Schultz and I were at our last headquarters meeting. Dave turned to me and said, I've never seen such a diverse team. We have folks from Pakistan and from China and from Russia that are working in Toronto, working with, us and our team and what amazing perspectives they bring to the business. So it's it's more expanding your perspective than it is limiting and expanding your culture rather than like trying to worry about something you have to control.
1: It is, is uh, obviously a, a big thing that I think you know the industry has a lot of work to do to try to achieve. Yeah, It's yeah. kind of scary sometimes to figure out how the heck do we solve for it. But it's that it's it's baby steps. It's yeah. being open to it, and you start to make gains when you really expand your horizons. And it's yeah. incredibly valuable to an organization. I don't even know if we need to you know, put that down. You yeah. to value on it. Yeah, it's 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 really important. So well, this is a, a very easy way to
0: have that. Yeah and, and we have a diversity problem in our industry, so this is a great way to bridge that as well. What's the difference between a supplier's outsourcing and a distributor's? Are
1: there specific like what are the specifics? Um, I mean, not a huge amount, but I would say there's, there's one major difference right now, which is that suppliers, from what I can tell, most distributors, if they're going to be frustrated with their supplier partners, there's more usually one reason why they don't feel like they're getting the support, the answers that they need in order to take care of their clients, right? Right, right. So from my standpoint, where I see the opportunity for suppliers to really take advantage of this is to beef up this layer of of support of customer service because that's a differentiator. If you are the type of supplier that has the ability to get all the information out, to let distributors know what they're dealing with, you don't have to solve every single problem or have, amazing amounts of inventory, but you have to make it clear that what the case is, you have a huge leg up and an ability to grow. Like That's what distributors are looking for. So a lot of our you know, partners that way are, are focusing there to make sure that their salespeople have tons of support, make sure that their reps across the country uh, have somebody else that's helping kind of get these answers to distrib- distributors really quickly.
0: Yeah, excellent idea. I know you and Craig and the team think a lot about this, the future of work. Let's talk about the immediate future. How do you think inflation yeah. might impact jobs and the battle for top talent in the near
1: future? Uh, it's, a, it's a a huge challenge across the board. And I think people need to be prepared that they're going to have to invest if, if that's something that that's important to them, right? Yeah. Um, we've talked about all the little things that we can start to do, but comp is going to go up and we're going to have to be just more willing to invest in that. I envision a scenario where that can become the norm again, uh, where companies will start to really be able to invest in that, maybe because they expertly took advantage of a situation like this, right? Bringing people into the right seat is a a notion that I think about a lot. Um, Fill those roles the right way and make sure that you have room to be able to invest in the top talent, because it's going to be at a premium for a little bit, right? I don't think there's anything that we can necessarily do to fix that.
0: True. Okay, last question. Long-term thinking, five years. What do you predict will happen in our industry regarding our attitudes toward virtual teams and specifically global teams?
1: I mean, I think we're all on the right track right now. I mean, maybe I'm a a bit biased because I'm in this uh, weeds every day, but I'm seeing people be open uh, to the notion of this. I'm seeing people uh, love the experience and be very focused on scaling and growing their business like never before, right? And so this, I think, is just part of that process. And people are trying to figure out more streamlined ways to get in front of clients. They're trying to find uh, more creative ways and better ways to run their business efficiently. And I think that they're willing to invest um, in their team across the board. So uh, I hope that this is done very strategically, but people are really taking advantage of it so that they can, you know, really build something out that's uh, that's a uh, longstanding.
0: Roy, I love it. I, I, I know I speak on behalf of my team here, but we love and respect what you guys are doing You and Craig and the whole team. Um, you're going to make a huge impact on our industry through this. And I know it's a business of yours, but it's also a mission and and it's just yeah. a really great, great
1: experience. So
0: thanks for joining me today on this QCast, my friend. I really enjoyed having you.
1: Thank you, buddy. Really appreciate it. And uh, right back to you guys. Thank you so much uh, for everything you do for the industry and for your friendship.
0: so much for tuning into this episode of skewcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to skewcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.com/skew.com. Until next time friends. Thanks so much for listening.